0: This is the Jefferson Exchange, and before we go, one more conversation about aging, and this is for anyone growing old solo or surrounded by lots of people. It's estate planning we'll take up now with Philip Taylor, an attorney well-versed in estate planning. Hi, Philip.
1: Hi, thanks for having me, Jeffrey. You bet, and also, Phil- Go ahead. Thanks to uh, Ellen Waldman, your previous guest, uh, for all the work she does helping people as they get to that stage in their life.
0: It's, it's a good uh, continuity we have on uh, on senior issues today. Philip will be teaching an Ollie class online uh, from Ashland in May on this very subject of estate planning. And and Philip, does Oregon have some particular quirks that affect estate planning?
1: It does in several ways. Um, one of the main ways that people think about is that Oregon has a, a kind of strange and draconian estate tax um, that kicks in at just $1 million, which is um, you know, if you end up owning a house in Ashland, uh, which is where our practice is, a lot of times uh, you get up to a million dollars um, in sort of gross assets, including retirement accounts and that sort of thing. Um, and you end up having to, your your heirs end up having to worry about paying um, an Oregon estate tax, um, which is something that can uh, be mitigated with couples and by doing things like lifetime giving. And so Oregon is special in that way in that it has a an estate tax that um, hits quite a bit more uh, lo- lower uh, value estates than than some of the surrounding states around Oregon.
0: And what's the usual rate on the estate tax?
1: So it starts at ten percent, ah. and it sort of slowly ramps up from
0: there. Oh, okay. So a million dollar house, you're gonna you're gonna spend a hundred thousand 000... dollars. Wait. Do I have it's so, and yeah.
1: it's only it's only over a million. So okay. if you just are at a million, you won't pay any. But anything over that is going to get hit with ten percent.
0: Interesting. So this, this is one of the things that uh, promotes estate planning. What kinds of things can the owner of such an asset do to, to not get their uh, kids hit with the estate tax?
1: Yeah, well, what, one um, thing that people can do, um, and it's kind of complicated, um, but basically be, if with a married couple, each of them has a million-dollar credit to their name. And so sometimes what ends up happening is if their combined estate, if what both spouses own together is over a million dollars, if the first spouse dies, the second spouse will inherit the entire estate. And now that one spouse owns over a million dollars. And when they pass away, then their estate will be faced with with an estate tax because they're over a million dollars. And so one thing that can be done is we can use what's called a credit shelter trust um, to to shelter that credit, and instead of just giving those assets to the surviving spouse, those assets are held in trust and used for the benefit of the surviving spouse, which means they're not included in the surviving spouse's estate, which means they're they're not subject to estate tax when the surviving spouse dies. So it's a little complicated, and it takes some <laughs> it takes a little bit of time to sort of wrap your head around exactly what's going on there. But there are ways to mitigate that tax by using uh, revocable
0: trusts. Okay, so th- th- you you hit the key word there, revocable. I noticed that word used a lot when we talk about trusts. What what does it mean? Yeah, so
1: we want to use revocable trusts usually, and that just means that you can change it if you want. You can revoke it. You can you can totally get rid of it if you want to. You're not locked into anything. So if you know, as part of your estate planning. Um, As part of your state plan, um, you have a revocable trust. It means you can change that trust however you want. If you decide you want to change um, who's going to be your your trustee or who's going to get what assets when you die or anything like that, you can change it however you want. So it's totally revocable is what that means.
0: Okay, so we've been talking about stuff thus far. Philip Taylor is our guest on the Jefferson Exchange, an attorney well-versed in estate planning. will be teaching an OLLI course on estate planning in Oregon. Um, but here again, we've talked mostly about stuff thus far, and estate planning isn't necessarily just about um, uh, wealth and material goods, is it? No,
1: and, and a lot of times people, when they think of estate planning, they just think of a will and what happens when they die. How's, how are their heirs going to inherit their assets? Uh, and they don't think about the ways that estate planning can help them throughout their life. Um, and this is this really ties into some of the things that Ellen Waldman was speaking about a minute ago, um, that something like a revocable trust, you can appoint someone to help you in case you become incapacitated so that your successor trustee can step in and, just as Ellen was talking about, help you manage your financial affairs, help you pay your bills, that sort of things. As you age, um, you might want to step down and allow someone else to... To take over your financial affairs, a revocable trust is really the best vehicle um, to help someone as they age in, in that way.
0: And I wonder how specific these documents often get, because uh, it seems like, number one, there's, you know, dealing with the, the details of your own life and your stuff, um, you know if you if you're fairly persnickety about some things or just careful you want to make sure that you have those spelled out but it seems like you also in the case of somebody who is is like a you know power of attorney or somebody who has some 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 say in what happens to you if you're incapacitated you need to spell out what incapacitation means
1: yeah and that's you know that's exactly another reason that trusts are so such a good vehicle is that you can be very specific you can cover all kinds of contingencies you can lay out exactly how you want that trust to be used for your benefit, or for or for the benefit of your heirs. And um, you know, families are very different, and some families have very specific needs about, you know, maybe a beneficiary, an heir of someone has a uh, substance abuse disorder. Well, you want to be careful with that heir. You don't want to just drop a ton of money on them. You want to make sure that they're taken care of, but that it's done responsibly. Um, and a trust allows you to be very specific about okay, this, we need to make sure this person um, isn't, you know, is going to be responsible with, with this inheritance, and we want to make sure that this is helping them, not hurting them. Um, so with a trust, again, you can be very um, flexible, and you can put in a lot of contingencies, and you can really create a trust however you want. You know, basically, however you, however you want it to be, you, you have a lot of um, control.
0: For the people who are listening, and I suspect there are a fair number who are thinking, well, you know, we we have a house and we have some money in the bank on the 401k plus our Social Security income. You know, is there a dollar level at which people need to be more concerned about this sort of thing? Obviously, if you're going to be leaving uh, more than a million dollars in Oregon, you probably want to be concerned.
1: Yeah. So there's that, obviously, there's that estate tax uh, financial hit that could happen. But the other thing that people are worried about and, more or less rightly so is, well, they don't want their heirs to have to go through probate. Um, and for people who aren't familiar with probate, probate is just the process by which a will is administered. Um, so if you leave a will and it says, I like, give my house, um, just to, in your example, uh, me and my wife have a house, so we want to leave it to our son. Um, so we put in our will, we get, we devise our house to our son. Um, the son needs to go to the probate court and say, um, Please appoint me as a personal representative, and go through that probate process of being appointed by the court, going through public notice and a creditor waiting period, and usually that ends up costing quite a bit of money in attorneys' fees. You're looking at you know somewhere, but somewhere north of five thousand dollars, something like that. To so, you know, all the way up to it can be much, much more than that, um, depending on what needs to happen. But that probate process just slows things down. It's it's expensive. Um, it's a lot of steps to go through that the trust completely avoids. Um, so even if it basically any time you have real estate involved, it usually makes sense to have a revocable trust that can help you avoid probate in addition to all the other um benefits we just
0: talked about. And it sounds like it's it's fairly standard stuff for any attorney that, that uh, oh, yeah, I can tell, here's the trust form, bam, 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 and it's done pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, you can get it done pretty quick. And again, it depends on what the needs of each family are in terms of how complicated it's going to be, how much time it's going to take to, to make it do what the client wants it to do.
0: Uh, you do. I notice. Uh, well, I've noticed in, in looking at estate planning conservatorship. That's certainly got a bad, bad name from the Britney Spears case, but that's far from <laughs> the only example, right?
1: Yeah, I mean conservatorship um, is the process um, by which, w- when someone becomes incapacitated and they're no longer able to manage their own financial affairs, um, someone who has an interest in uh, you know in making sure they're uh, taken care of can go to the court and say this person is no longer able to min- to manage their affairs. Um, the, the court should appoint someone to, to manage their financial affairs, and that person then accounts to the court. They tell the court this is what all the money was spent on. This is how it's being used for the benefit of that person who's now incapacitated. Um, so it's sort of the court process by which someone can... Um, have their financial affairs managed.
0: And all the more um, reason, it sounds like, for people to make their decisions uh, early. The sooner the better, it sounds like. The, yeah, for the yeah, trust
1: yeah. avoids that as well. Yeah, right.
0: Right. Philip Taylor, our guest on the Jefferson Exchange, uh, teaching in a course on estate planning in Oregon through Ali and Ashland in May. Thanks for joining us on the Jefferson Exchange. Thanks, Jeffrey.